Good morning. Welcome to Com Church. It's really great to be here this morning and have this opportunity uh, to speak with you. And uh, it's my prayer that you will know God's blessing and that he would, he would show a, a small part of himself to you this morning as we're joining together. So please, let's, let's just pray as we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who sees all, who knows all. You know us inside out. And I pray that every person present this morning, Lord, would have a small revelation of your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's, um, it's been a strange year this year, very strange year. And uh, we're on, the, on the, uh, the verge of Christmas. It's just around the corner. And um, I know that Christmas has many treasured memories for so many people. And uh, I want to go back in um, time to a time when, before Christmas actually began. And you can read all about this, this story in, uh, in the Bible. And um, it's in Luke chapters 1 and 2. And, and it tells us the story of the birth of Jesus. In his first verses of this chapter says that many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And Luke goes on to describe um, the birth of John the Baptist and how uh, his mother Elizabeth, who was well advanced in age, how she was visited by an angel and told you were going to have a son. And he was going to prepare the way of the coming Messiah. And then we read in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, that in the sixth month... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. We're going to be talking about all of this stuff in the coming, uh, coming weeks. Joseph was a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And we hear this story, many of you will have heard it so many times from, from a young age, either in church or at school or at some other place. But we hear that the angel went and visited her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. You're going to have a child. And you're going to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary was a bit stunned. She said, how can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then the angel explains to Mary that her cousin Elizabeth 
is to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. That's the first point. Nothing's impossible. Mary's response to this was to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And then we read this account, if we go uh, further into that chapter, that Mary then got ready and she went to visit Elizabeth, who was in the sixth month of her pregnancy. And as Mary and as the child in Elizabeth's womb heard Mary's voice, the child who was to become John the Baptist leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth gives this greeting. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. This was at the moment that she met her. She hadn't even said that she's having a child. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What an incredible account. An incredible account. Well, I, I want to fast forward 12 years. We know the story of Jesus' birth. We're very familiar with it. But I want to fast forward 12 years to when Jesus was, um, Jesus was 12 years old. And he went to the, the Passover feast at the temple in Jerusalem. And at this occasion, when the feast was over and the families all left Jerusalem, it says in, um, in Luke chapter 2 that his parents suddenly realized that they'd uh, mislaid their son. Can you imagine? They'd been walking for, for days. I think it says in here somewhere that they're three days away and they mislaid their son. You can imagine the panic they were going through. So they, they, they hot foot back to Jerusalem and searched, searched for him. And eventually, after three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting amongst the, the leaders, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him, this 12-year-old child, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And um, it says in here in a very tame way, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I'm sure they were not the words that they used to their son after they found him. But you can read into that as you will. And Jesus responds to them, Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. The last verse in, in Luke that I want to pick out is verse 51. And it says, his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She treasured these events in her heart. I'd like to fast forward now another 18 years to John chapter 2. To an event that probably, probably most people will know. Or they will certainly know um, 
the phrase turning water into wine. But in, in John chapter 2, it says, from, starting from verse 1, On the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you saved the best till last. And there's just a few points I want to focus on here. I have a friend, or we, we have some very close friends, um, from India. And they tell me about weddings in India that uh, essentially when you have a wedding, anybody can turn up for the meal and join in the festivities. Anybody from the town or the village And so it's not unusual to have 500, 600, 700 people turn up to your wedding. I'm imagining that it very much was the same at this wedding in Galilee. It says Jesus and the disciples had been invited to the wedding. And his mother says to him, they have no more wine. You can imagine Mary, knowing what she knows with all these treasured memories in her heart, going to her son, they've got no more wine, you've got to help them. And I can imagine, it says Jesus, um, Jesus was uh, probably indignant. He said, my time has not yet come. Why are you involving me in this, in this wedding? Why? This is not my time. But despite Jesus saying that, his mother knows her son. And so she tells the servants, do as he tells you. She has faith that her son, the son of so much promise, is going to intervene in this circumstance. She's a trusting mother. Do as he tells you. The other part of this is that the servants were obedient to the son. Now, the servants could have said, six stone jars full of water and you want me to take, I'm guessing they had a ladle full of Um, water, they picked a ladle and and scooped the water out and they took it to the master of the banquet. Now if you were the master, if you were the servant doing that, I think you might be in fear and trepidation. You're just a servant you might lose your job 
So the servants had to be obedient to the son. An interesting thing I was working out um, early this morning that uh, those stone jars contain between uh, 20 and 30 gallons of water. <clears throat> this tells you how big a deal this uh, wedding was. That If you work it out, six, uh, six jars with 20 or 30 gallons equates to between 540 at the minimum and 810 bottles of wine. So between 540 and over 800 bottles of wine, the size of the bottle we would use, that is a lot of wine. That shows you just how many people would have turned up to this wedding. So you can see that when, when they took this water to the MC, he was shocked. He said, but you've brought out the best at the end. You've saved the best till last. Do you know what? I would love to have tried that wine. Wine made by the hand of God. Forget all those super duper French wines. This would have been the best wine you could ever taste. Straight from the Father. But there's one thing I'd, I'd, I'd like to point out here. And that is that for those families that put that wedding on, to be in that condition of having no wine in the middle of the, in the, middle of the, uh, the wedding feast would have been great shame. To see that Jesus intervened and covered their shame. He covered their shame. In fact, there was no shame. The shame was gone because the hand of God intervened in an important situation. And there's a verse in uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 11, that says, No one who puts their trust in him will ever be put to shame. No one who ever puts their trust in Jesus will ever be put to shame. And Jesus said in his own words, I have come that you might have life. He actually said, I come that you might have life to the full. And life to the full doesn't just mean all the good bits. It means everything. If you don't have the bad bits, you don't know what the good bits are about. Jesus said, I have come that you can have life to the full. And if you trust in me, you will never be put to shame. Well, thank you for listening this morning. It's been a real pleasure. And I pray that part, some part of this might really speak to you. If you don't know Jesus at this time... At this time when things are very uncertain. Yes, it's not about wine at a wedding for us at the moment. It's about jobs and homes and family. And even the simple things like meeting together. Things are difficult. 
But if you want someone to hold your hand and walk through this whole situation with you and every situation that you could come across in your life, then there's only one person that can do that, and that is Jesus. And I'd encourage you, I'd really encourage you to investigate more. Find out what this Jesus is all about. And it might be that you can have a completely different life than the one that is currently laying before you. Thank you for listening.